Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark. Back from a holiday last week, a lovely relaxing holiday in the sun in Cyprus. And this week I'm back in a little room with Elliot Heath. Hi Elliot. Hello Tom, you're right. I'm very well. How was there. Cyprus? It was really good, thanks. Yeah, really nice and relaxing, chilled. Didn't watch much golf if I'm honest with you. Which is fine, nice to have a rest after the Masters. Uh, what about yourself? Played a lot of golf? Yes. I know you have, that's why I mention it. Oh, thanks. Uh, I played Thursday and Friday in Nottinghamshire. I played Sherwood Forest on Thursday. I played Knotts on Friday. Amazing Heathland courses. Knotts is ranked 30th in our UK and Ireland top 100. Sherwood Forest is 85th or 84th, something like that. I would say Knotts has some of the best golf holes I've ever played. It was beautiful, like the yellow gorse in full. Yeah, look, you're boring me here, Elliot. How, did you, not, how, how did you play? Um, I played all right. Come I came on, second in our four ball. Second in your four ball is that something to cheer about? Um, well, it's better than third, isn't it? <laughs> Have you played knots or shows? I haven't. No, I haven't. No, no, look, they look always. The pictures always look fantastic of that. It's, it's a couple of really nice courses. Yeah, I'd recommend it. It's different because, um, yeah, I knew it was Heathland, and I love Heathland. But I why do you like Heathland? Is it because your name's Elliot Heath? Probably, yeah. But, you know, being brought up in Surrey on the Surrey sand belt. But this was different with that gorse. I haven't really played Heathland golf with that gorse. And, yeah, if any of our listeners want to go and play two of the country's best courses in Nottingham, I'd You're going to take them there? You're going you're gonna to pay for their green fees? Also, I, I paid my green fees. It was £52.50 for Sherwood Forest with breakfast, which is a good nice, deal. Nice, that's good. And then Knotts was 75 quid, which I think is brilliant. When, if you look in Surrey... You're playing Swinley Forest is 150, New Zealand 150, St George's Hill 150, so really good value. And then Saturday, I... You played more golf? Yeah, I had a knockout match, so I'm through to the third round of the... You tried, to choke, you tried to choke in this match, did you? Uh, yeah, I played really well on the back nine to go two up with three to play, and then messed up 17 and then lost to a birdie on 18. But then luckily my opponent also messed up the 19th. So you won on the 19th? Yeah. You always have a close match in these nights. I know, I can't seem you to, never seem to win together. properly. No, you it's never really win like something and something. It's always all last hole, 19th, 20th. So I've won my first two rounds of this tournament and this, this was, year. Yeah, on the and this 19th. was where you got to the final last year. Yeah. So what round are you in now? Don't say round three. I know it's round three. So how many people left, do you know? There's there's like over 100. Oh, so. still are. oh it's a big tournament then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fine. Good. And when's the next round of that? In six weeks or something? Oh, that's all. Yeah. Six weeks? That seems a long time. Yeah, we've got till the end of June to play it. <coughs> oh, fine. Um, did, you, did you play any golf? Or you no, no, I said no. I did, I, we didn't even have our usual... Because um, I was on a cricket tour in Cyprus. There's 20 of us families and stuff like that. We usually have at least have a golf day or even a crazy golf day. We didn't even have that. We were just chilling. Did Little you bit. win your cricket? We didn't. We came second. Out of how many teams? Two. See, that's, <laughs> that's a proper second. <laughs> but we had good fun. It's not about the cricket. Not about the cricket. One on Saturday when I played. Played cricket on Saturday. Freezing nice. cold. We got hypothermia. Yeah, it was cold, wasn't it? Yeah. We um, we sat in a little hut for about half an hour at Sherwood Forest in the lightning storm. It was quite scary. Oh, did you have lightning? Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> quite scary. Anyway, let's talk about some professional golf about what's been going on. Um, John Rahm and Ryan Palmer won the Zurich Classic on the PJ Tour in uh, what is a team event. Uh, that's Palmer's first win since 2010. And it's John Rahm's seventh victory, already seven victories, amazing, since turning pro in 2016. Pretty 
pretty good. Do you, do you like the format of the pairings? So team golf? No, I think they ruined it. Why do you think they ruined it? Because if you you're craving a bit of PJ Tour golf on Sunday, it's it's not really a real event, I don't think. Like it was it was never the best event, was it? The Zurich Classic. But I prefer to watch singles golf as opposed to these weird double formats. I I mean, having come back from holiday Sunday, I was actually up for watching just a bit of, no, bit of normal golf and. It didn't really appeal to me. There's some good bits when the Fleetwood and Garcia playing together. Maybe they'll be paired together in the future in a Ryder Cup or something like that. But I, you know, I didn't find it that exciting. No, um, luckily we've got a good event coming up this week. We have. Um, what is it? It is the Wells Fargo Championship Indeed, at Quail up. Hollow. So that'll be really good. But this one, no, it doesn't do it for me. I don't, I don't know. Well, we've we've moaned before. And, in the past, saying, oh, golf doesn't try enough different things. I think this is something that they need to probably maybe reconsider. That's why they don't try different things. Yeah. I don't know, mate, but I think some people would have enjoyed it. I mean, it's good to I'm see so many Europeans did. up there. And I thought it was quite a good story. You know, Ram winning again and Palmer, who is... thought they were quite a good pairing because they're both birdie machines. Uh, Palmer's, you know, his birdie percentage on the PJ Tour is one of the highest, but he just seems to have inexplicable blow-ups in the middle of his round every now and then so um, I thought that was a very good pairing uh, yeah it's one of those random ones where you think at the start of the week you're like well on earth is John Rahm playing with Ryan Palmer mm. but then when you read into it you kind of realise why they played together in 2015 at the Waste Management Phoenix Open uh, when Rahm was an amateur and Rahm finished fifth then Mm. Which just shows you how good he was, and as as an amateur, yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, he, came, he really came onto the scene from nowhere, didn't he? And he yeah. just he's just been just had moved from being the top leaderboard. I was saying this last week in the office. Actually, he's so underrated. We don't talk about John Rahm enough. Yeah. I don't he's, know if he's not very likable because of his tantrums. Um, maybe. It's because I don't think we. I still don't think we know that much about him, and because he's had all this early success, I think people some people don't always shine to people who he has who have such early success in their career people like people to work for it sometimes and stuff like that that's sometimes why Spieth gets a bit of bad press as well because people don't like people who just seem to win but I mean Ram is a character he's so fiery on the course and he wears his heart in his sleeve and all those cliches he's you know he's you know fist pumps a par on the first hole in the tournament I think so um, also I think he had seven top tens in a row and he had seven no seven out of nine top tens and one of them was the players where he finished like 12th after blowing up. Uh, so he's in really he's good form. Really well. Yeah, no, he's playing really good. How did he get on at the Masters? I, sorry, I can't remember. Can you? I only know Tiger Woods won the Masters, didn't he? Yeah. That's, that's, all, that's all we need to remember from the Masters, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Well, no, he did all right. Um, no, he's good. I don't, you know, Fleetwood and Garcia playing well. It's good. We have three Europeans in the top, you know, the top two pairings, as it were, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, they did. Did you listen to the podcast last week, by the way? You know I didn't. I said this before I came in. Uh, well, um... Go on. Well, go on. What, what's your point? Just talking about Augusta and the Masters and D- David Taylor describing what it's like DT. I was quite nervous, actually, presenting. <laughs> I said to you, it made me realise... You're, you're nervous for most things, Elliot. So. Um, just what a great job you do, Tom. <laughs> well, that, thanks. You want a cup of tea for me later or something like that. Um, no, I will, I will, when I have a moment, we'll catch up. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> we won't recommend your own podcast well okay. listening to me but yeah Dave was uh, I'll, I'll mute the bits when you're talking and just turn the volume back up when Dave's talking about that yep. Dave another person in the office who's played Augusta I've played Augusta I've mentioned that 
Yeah, Dave beat you. Did you? Well, did Dave you didn't beat me. He did. You shot 113. You shot 105. Different conditions, different. They've set up the course differently. I think I had it much tougher. Did you have a two or three club breeze all day? I, well, it was raining and a bit, little bit stormy when I played. So yes, I did. <laughs> I'm taking every yeah. Played in different day. You can't say he beat me. Okay. It's not about that either. It's just about you know enjoying round of golf. It's not always about competition, Elliot. Remember that. You've got to just sometimes go out there and enjoy the golf, especially when it's Augusta National. Have you played Augusta National? No. Hopefully yeah. next let's year. Just, let's leave the conversation there then. <laughs> um, next year, well, we're talking about golf or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there was another event uh, on the world of professional golf, which was the Trophy Hissan De, which I quite like because it's a funky little course. And it was uh, won by someone who we've talked about a bit this year, Jorge Campillo, Spaniard's first European Tour title in his 229th start, so about time. Uh, he birdied 16 and 17 and win by two. He, was he on your list of people to watch? He was on yours, wasn't he? he well, well, OK, yeah. Well, I have picked him a few times. He's finished... Uh, I've picked him a couple of times when he was second. So uh, Sam did the betting tips last oh, week. Oh, good. I'm glad you... And obviously he was Sam. just copying the ones that I would have done anyway. But good lad. Good lad for Sam for picking Jorge. Is that the first winner of the season? Second. Second. So, who was the first? It was... I can't remember. <laughs> Somebody. I can't remember. A can't. golfer who won a tournament. It was a golfer. No, it, I'll tell you who he was. It was Ryan Fox. Oh, yeah. At the Super 6, which I've, uh, which I've picked three years in a row. Yes. Super 6 Perth, is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, good on Campio. That was his first victory in 229 starts yeah. on the European Tour. I didn't actually know he'd never won before because he's just been up there for so many years. I think he's finished in the top 100 of the race to Dubai every year since 2011. Yeah. So kind he's, of like he's someone who, yeah, exactly what I was He is a journeyman golfer, which isn't always a nice phrase, but actually he's doing a very good He's making a very good living. I wish himself. I was a journeyman on well, the Well, yeah, European exactly. He's, he's making a fair amount of money, but he's won, thankfully. He, so he's got that, you know, that monkey of his back. So uh, Great birdie on 16 as well. He hit a lovely iron shot in there from the rough. I'll take um, your word for that. I, I haven't seen that birdie. Was ah. it a good shot? Yeah, oh, it was brilliant. And then he hit a, um, a stone dead chip on the short 17th to tap in, well, to make like a short birdie putt. No, good on him. Good on him. So, uh, yeah. So, but there was other news around the place, wasn't there? I think some of the biggest uh, headlines or chat was Eduardo Molinari, who's obviously fed up with Francesco getting all the headlines <laughs> or being really good at golf. He uh, released an image on his social media of the European Tour's slow play timings. Um, this followed him having a five and a half hour round, and obviously he's probably a bit annoyed, wasn't he? Uh, and on there, he showed that three players, Adrian Otegu, Oosthuizen and Eric Van Ruyen, have been fined €3,000 each this season. Uh, and it showed that it showed all the people who have been on the clock and stuff like that, which was really good stuff because we hadn't seen anything like this before. No, I've never we? seen that. A lot of people were saying, like, is he allowed to even show this? Which I well, don't know. Well, not, not do we. So uh, <laughs> he's obviously a bit annoyed, so he's decided to take it out. Yeah, I don't know what these people... These players think of Eduardo now. Um, I wonder if there's been any. No, I don't think around. he really cares, to be honest, does he? Well, no, well, well clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Graham McDowell came out saying, well, no, he's flogging a dead horse, and, you know, it's all very well saying this is actually not going to solve the problem. I tend to agree with G Mac there. Do you go on? What about you? What do you think? Uh, all naming and shaming people. I think, to speed them I up? think that the. I think it's interesting they've got these, these 
stats and stuff like that. And why aren't they actually released to us or the public or whoever? Because I think that actually might be a way of actually solving the problem. Because there's, if there's some golfers, some golfers don't like to be known as being slow players. Golf, actually, no golfer likes to be known as a slow player. We have arguments in the office, don't we, about who's the slowest player? Um, well, Nick in Bonfield enjoys being slow. Nick Bonfield is definitely the slowest player. He enjoys he? saying that he likes to just walk slowly and taking the views. I mean, and that's the scenery. just all usual pace. He's a bit odd, isn't he? So, um, but there's a lot of players, you know, who have um, sponsorship deals and big Twitter followings. They won't want to be known as being a slow player. So. I think actually, if they say, "Oh, actually, oh look, I'm not on this list," you know, all the other people who are on there, um, I think I think they should put this out there. They should the tour should be more proactive of, but will of calling out. Help? I know, but why don't they call out these players who, you know, obviously they've got these 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 stats and this data on them. Why not just put it out there? Are they just trying to protect their players a lot? A lot. Fair enough. They are. You know, the players make the tour. Um, I do. I do wonder what's going on there. Yeah, they should release how long it takes every group to play, like every week, like a leaderboard, perhaps. Make yeah. for good talking points with us, wouldn't it? Yeah, and then but you also you also then find, yeah, the only thing is that see is there there'll be a couple of people play really quickly and then they're not playing very well and they'll probably say, oh, actually maybe I should take a bit longer over my shots, and there might be some other people playing really well, getting some good results and they're being really slow and they're going, oh well, I'm not going to quicken up because I'm. Winning loads of money. Well, so. Graham McDowell actually said in that piece or in those quotes that he's halfway to a twenty-five grand fine because he's been timed five times. So right. the PGA Tour must give you quite a large fine for being on the clock ten times. Yeah. Whereas he, I'm not sure how these guys have got those fines. I think maybe it's being on the clock and then breaking the forty-second recommendation. Yeah. We well, don't know. There wasn't really any details, was there? It just said they've been on the clock this t- time and yeah. this is how much they've been fined. We don't really know the details. So basically, it. everyone has been on the clock this season, essentially, but that's that can be down to slow playing partners, kind of. Five like. and a half hour round is a long round, isn't it? I know. Like, how, why are you. I think I had. That? I think my. Lo- what's your longest ever round of golf that you ever played? Can you remember having a five and a half hour? I think my round of Sherwood Forest the other day was five and a half hours, but that was with a, a half an hour break. Oh well, yeah. No, the, well, maybe having a break for yeah. If you this is where you were sheltering in your, your hut. Yeah, but also if you're playing the Trophy Hassan Der on the European Tour, this was on Friday. Hmm. No one's going to be watching that anyway. Or what do you mean no one's watching it? A few people are going to be watching it, but when they're going that slow, that just completely destroys the product. Yeah. So no, no, that's right. Um, but they, are, I mean, there's always there's always a golfer hitting a golf shot at a golf tournament. It's not just people wandering around looking at putts and. Ten different angles. I'm thinking that the longest round I've ever had was about five and a half, six hour round, and that was stuck behind a society of footballers in front of us. Famous footballers? No, no, from my local (laughs) football club. But um, yeah, so that I mean, it's not on, is it? Five and a half hours around rounds of golf are not good for anybody, especially when they're only hitting seventy shots. And also, it's not like it's not a long course. It's not actually a long course either. It's quite a really short one. Molinari so. also said there was no rough as well, yeah, it's which makes odd. it even more ridiculous. It's just odd, isn't it? Um, so I think what we say, I think we say that European Tour, come on, don't let one of your players release this list. Well, get get that list out there. It could actually improve things, I think. So um, especially with the shot clock masters last year, which I don't think is actually on the calendar this year. It's not. But they were really, um, really good in like showcasing how much the rounds had increased by. Yeah. Well, decreased by. Um, time. No, I think there's definitely more that they can do. 
Uh, so on going on to whether there'll be slow play or not this week, I don't know. But there's a couple of events. There's the Wells Fargo Championship. Uh, Jason Day defends at Quail Hollow. Two-time winner Rory McIlroy is also in the field, as is Justin Rose, seeing if he can get back to world number one, having lost it again to Dustin Johnson. We're looking forward to the proper, yeah. bit of proper golf. Brilliant event, brilliant course. No Tiger, which is a shame. Yeah. No Kepka, no DJ, which is a bit strange. But Rory's there, and it's Rory has had so much at success there yeah. I think he's won it twice and he's had a runner up there as well did he lose in a playoff have I made that yeah up? he lost to Ricky Fowler in a playoff yeah, that's right. with someone else um, maybe like Boban Pelt or what's the other oh. <laughs> someone who's got like two letters as their first name DP points DA points DA yeah. points DP I think points. it might have been him DA points but yeah maybe this event is suffering with the PGA two Jamie weeks Holmes, away there's another two no it's definitely DA points I think but yeah, it should be very good. Yeah, no, but Exciting. it's good. Obviously, the PJ Championship was played there last year. 2017, when 2017. Justin Thomas won. Justin Thomas won, that's right. And just, is Justin Thomas in the field this week? I don't think he is, is he? I don't know. That's a shame. That, that surprised me, isn't it? When you've had, golfers who have had success at uh, courses, you usually see them there every year. And Rory's always, Rory always turns up there. So... Um, yeah, it's good. It's a good course. Very exciting. You can go... When Rory won there first time, he went shot... What did he shoot? 62 in the final round? Yeah, right? 10 under. So, um, they are... Yeah, it's usually quite an exciting event. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah. Ricky Fowler's playing in it. Rory's playing in it. Rose is playing in it. Jason Day's playing in it. So, quite a big... You know, good, good little field, as ever. Yeah, I'll be tuning into that on Sunday evening. Yeah, so my popcorn I. and my gin and tonic. So, do you want a, a little... I haven't done my betting tips yet, because it's Monday... Uh, but I will be. You know, I will have them up on this Tuesday. podcast. Yeah, it's out on Tuesday, but we are recording it on Monday. Indeed. But Aaron Wise, I think I'm definitely going to pick. I think he he was second there last, last year. Last year, good. I think he's about fifty to one up when I had a look earlier. So uh, he's he's one to to look out for. There is also another event, European Tour. That's the 25th Volvo China Open. Can you believe it? The 25th Volvo China Open. Feels like yesterday when exactly. it was the first one. Indeed. Who won the first one? Um, Sevy by Sterile. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> it's headlined by Hao Tong Lee. Alexander Bjork is the defending champion. Uh, who do you think is going to do well this year? Hao Tong Lee. Yeah. He won it when he was 20 years old. Yeah, he won, he won it three years ago, 2016. Maybe longer than that. Longer Something than like that. that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's definitely going to be the the one that's going to get a lot of headlines. Uh, not the strongest field, but not the worst, actually. So um, it's usually a pretty good field there. So check out, if you want to see who I'm backing for that, uh, do Google golf betting tips and you'll find our Volvo China Open and also a one for the PJ Tour as well. I'd imagine that the field is slightly weaker than it would be because there's normally like a China swing, isn't there? Mm. With the, the, what's it called? It begins with S. The Shishan International. What am I talking about? I have no idea. What's that tournament? No. To Shwani Open, that's in South Africa. No, but then because obviously we've got the British Masters next week, so they'll we be have? flying back yep. for that. Yeah, no, yeah, and then the PGA after that. So we haven't got long to the next major, which is good, which is exciting. Uh, there's a couple of other stories in the world of golf. The ANA Inspiration, the women's first major of the year, looks like it might be moving dates due to the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Do you think that's a good thing? I think it's quite bad, actually. There was quite a, a viral Twitter thread at the weekend about mm. this. Yeah, basically, it's the first women's major of the year, and Augusta National has just bowled in, knocked them out. <laughs> <Bold>. <laughs> Knock them out of the park. <laughs> they can't go the next week, the ANA, because it's right next to Coachella, 
like nine miles from it, where there's a hundred thousand people. Well, and also it's against. It would be up against the Masters then. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so the whole point is this: before, it was the week before the Masters. Now, now it's obviously the the women's amateur, which is at Augusta. Well, the last round is anyway. So they've got to sort something out. So yeah, TV ratings this year for the ANA were down fifty six percent. It's been reported. How much? So what does that mean? Was that an actual viewing figures? Does no. that mean it was? There was ten people watching it the year before. Now there was only four people. No, probably no. There were millions of people watching. Yeah, it. Yeah, no. I'm not. I'm just trying. To, I'm not saying actually only ten people watched it. I'm just saying millions. Yeah, and then um, so you think, oh, people aren't watching golf that week, but. The Augusta National Women's Amateur had like the biggest TV rating for a women's event since 2016. So clearly, that stole all the viewers from isn't, isn't this, a major. Isn't, isn't this rather frustrating that actually there's a lot of headlines saying that women's golf doesn't don't get enough headlines, don't get enough coverage, and then they suddenly get an event where they do get some headlines, they do get a big TV audience, and then and then suddenly there's some negativity around it. Whereas actually, they could probably just boost it help help that tournament boost their ratings and the whole of their tours i know it's not linked to any tour that's the issue but did you watch the ana inspiration this year no did you watch the augusta national women's amateur yes there you go what do you mean there you go it's completely destroyed a major that's it quite hasn't bad destroyed isn't? a major no, it i know but 56 percent fewer people watched it this year no it hasn't destroyed i think that's such a negative way of thinking about it this is a great chance for springboard for women's golf they've got to be able to use it they've got to get together and start talking to each other the let tour you know lpga tour augusta start talking to each other yeah exactly it's, it's ridiculous at the moment the let doesn't have any events do they they have a handful of events yeah oh, but this is mainly lpga with yeah, them, in america yeah i don't know but it's still a major you know there's let let players and lpga players and also this year we had the mixed jordan masters the same week didn't we so there's i know but who is all i know it's obviously there's communication problems between these sorts it's clear it's ridiculous that all these different things were put on at the same week how who's thought about this nobody they just said oh well there's that week it's the week before the masters that's a shock isn't it suddenly everyone puts in everything the week before the masters there's three events before the masters it's like we get press releases suddenly from every, every Tom, Dick and Harry the week before the Masters because everyone's thinking about golf. If you actually plan these things out, you could have a nice stretch of three events in a row, couldn't you? Yeah. You could have the first major, you could have the mixed open, you could have the uh, women's amateur all in a row and that's a really nice start to the season for women if they only talk to each other. But, but at the moment, they, seem to, they only seem to be wanting to look after their own... Yeah, they've all got their own shareholders, they've all got their own yeah, stakeholders. Know, but, it, but, but, yeah, absolutely, but if they don't look after each other and work together, then it's never going to work, is it? No. I think the European Tour and the PGA Tour have a pretty good relationship at the moment, and the men's calendar, I think, is looking as good as it's looked ever. Moving the major for the PGA to May... Uh, suddenly given us a really nice bulk of golf. Everyone knows how it is. It's players in March, Masters in April, PGA May, uh, US Open June, Open July. Do you and think th- that's been good for the European tour, though? I think it's going to be good for the events after July. So I know we've got the FedEx Cup um, will be coming to it. So when's that finishing? August. In, in August. So really nice time to play golf, September, October. But what about the January to September period for the European tour? The January to September period. Yeah, 
I think he's pretty healthy. Well, if you look at the start of the season, when's the start of the season? It's January. November. No. Well, okay. Hong start of the start of the year. So it used to be that the mar- it used to be that the Masters was the start of golf in Europe, wasn't it? No, it was January, Dubai. But uh, next week's British Masters actually is going to be the first event on mainland Europe this year since yeah, no, but that's November. the weather though, Elliot. That's it's the it, you know the European Tour is a world world tour, really, isn't it? It's played in South Africa, China, they're all over the place, aren't they? They can't play in Europe. It's the winter. What well, May's coming this this week is May, and now we can pl- actually play on continental Europe and and you can Ireland. We could have organised a. Plenty of events in March, but it's horrible. It's freezing cold. <laughs> Who wants to go and watch golf events and then? Let's have it in our summer. Okay. And it's very different to America. America is a huge place. There's, wherever you are, there will be some nice weather at some point somewhere in America every single week of every year. So you can, you can organise events around that. That shut you up, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, well, basically what you said is the new schedule is, is so good... That the European tour no, my, my go- two good months. My, no, my my point was going back to the original point about the women's game was actually that the men's game has adapted its schedule for one reason or another. They've moved the FedEx Cup playoffs into August. They try and get it out of the NFL season. I understand that, but actually the schedule they've worked together and there's a nice schedule there. They've moved BMW PGA example from May to September. Now that actually could be really good because Wentworth's going to look a lot better in September then it doesn't make it's going to be at the end of the, the summer all the plants are going to have had a chance to grow properly all the course will have had good grass growth on it it's going to look stunning yeah, and we know in the UK uh, September is a great month for the purple heather exactly so that will look stunning exactly. no so, rhododendrons though I don't well, think well okay alright Monty Don suddenly appeared in our <laughs> podcast um, but the, the old the things that I remember watching golf as a youngster Ernie Els winning the match play round Wentworth you know that was September October time and people loved the look of Wentworth at that time and I think it's going to look really good I think it's I think it's going to be a positive for European golf because that September time where actually there will be some PJ Tour events but they're going to be the lesser ones there's going to be a bit of concentration on the European Tour golf and hopefully they take advantage of this maybe not they won't get it 100% right this year but for the future yeah um, the BMW PJ is not going to be as well, um, what's what supported? Well supported as many will think, because the Sanderson's Farms Championship is that week, and that's had two point two million extra added to the prize fund. Yeah, as I said, they won't they won't get it right every single. I'm not saying they're going to get 100 percent right this first year, but I think moving it to September in the long run will be a good thing for the event and for the European Tour. Definitely. Um, sticking with the European Tour, how good was Andy Sullivan's hole-in-one challenge? It was very good. Good video if you get a chance to watch it. Can he Can he get a hole-in-one in five and shots? He can. I think, yeah, I think everyone knows by spoiler, now. Spoiler, hashtag spoiler. How likeable is he as well? Yeah, Andy Sullivan was a good lad. And uh, remember how... You think he was leading Team Europe in the last time that the Ryder Cup was in America. He was in the first foursomes with Roy McIlroy didn't go very well because I, th- I think he got benched for the singles but he was playing some really good golf and I hope he looked like he's hit the ball really nice in that video uh, I think he's one of those guys that you hope has a bit of a resurgence and uh, starts winning some tournaments again. always given us great time hasn't he I yeah. know we've been to Nuneaton Golf Club with him quite recently for the second time uh, yeah great guy and likes to swear doesn't he he does he's very very funny bleeping. but no he's uh, yeah he's a good lad 
Tiger Woods also in the news this week because he is committed to the Zozo Championship in October, which is being held in Japan. The first time he will have played in Japan since 2006. Can you name the last time he played in Japan, Tom? It's in 2006 in, let me think, what's it going to be? It was in a WGC, was it? Would you like me to tell you? Yes, go on, you obviously know the it answer. It was in the Dunlop Phoenix Open. Oh, I would have said that. And he lost in a playoff to Padre Carrington. I would have said that if you'd given me... Turn How out. good is my memory? Well, you've just looked at it earlier, I saw you. But um, uh, the inaugural tournament has a purse of $9.75 million. That's a lot. It's the highest outside of the majors, WGCs, and the players. So, and it, says, so it says here, you just read that exactly. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the it's on that little Asian swing where we've got the CJ Cup, which is has mass, a massive purse. And Who won that last year? Kupka? Yeah, Kupka's Kupka's, uh, Kupka's uh, yeah, yeah. number one. And then um, the WGC as well. So yeah. No, uh, fair play to them getting it. You know, another getting another big event over there. I think it should be fun. Uh, so yeah, as soon as the European Tour finishes, it goes straight into that brilliant Asian swing. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, in that, that around that time is the end race to the what's it called, final series. Was yeah. It, so was it, is there any clashing? There might be actually. We'll have a look. This is mid October. Yeah. So it's going to be around the right around the time. So it will, won't it? Yeah. We'll have a look. We'll have a look and get back to you next week, yeah? Yeah, but Tiger Woods was... I thought he'd be playing this week, so apologies, listeners. I may have said he's playing in the Wells Fargo last week. But he's not now. Well, you li- I haven't listened to podcasts. You're lying on the podcast. I'll leave you for one week and you end up lying. I must, I'm very lazy with checking the schedule. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. <laughs> I, know that, I know that. Anyway, you know, Tiger's obviously having a good season, wanting to get better and better. He's had a good start, hasn't he? Won a major. But it's not just about the professional golfers, is it? It's also about golfers like you and me and the people listening. And they want to try and, um, you know, get better and better throughout the season. And we're going to chat now to Mike Harris, editor of Golf Monthly. He's doing a challenge with Cobra Puma Golf, uh, Get Fast, Go Low, where he's trying to get better and better for the 2019 season. And Elliot chatted to Mike about how it's going. Hello, Mike Harris. Welcome to the clubhouse, uh, your debut in 2019. It's very nice to get the invite, Elliot. Thanks for having me along. Yeah, I hope to have you a few times this year because you have embarked on your Get Fast, Go Low project with Cobra Puma Golf to try and get your handicap down this year. Indeed, I have, and it's certainly something that I need to do. Um, anyone who's watched the first video in the series, and there'll be four during the course of the year, uh, will have seen that the uh, state of my golf has not been good over the recent years. Handicap just seems to keep on ticking up. I actually don't think I've been playing that badly, but I'm afraid scores don't lie. Uh, as we all know in golf, the score that you sign for is normally a pretty accurate reflection of how you've managed to get the golf ball around the course. Uh, my handicap got right up to 10 last year, um, not really fitting for the editor of Golf Monthly, given that the founding editor of Golf Monthly won the Open Championship and the Amateur Championship. Standards have, it will be fair to say, slipped somewhat. Um, so thankfully I was only off 10 for uh, about a month. Uh, my exact now is... Um, Eight, no, I beg your pardon. It's eight point eight. Um, so, so you come down quite a bit since going up to ten. Though. Yeah, although I think I got up to nine point six. Had a really good round up at Royal Liverpool, playing in the autumn meeting where conditions were very tough. And I managed to um, get it round in a you know in a reasonable score. CSS went way up to the max it could do. So got a cut there, and 
I definitely think there's a good round coming. But yeah, the project I'm doing with Cobra Puma, really interesting. Had a complete uh, makeover. So driver all the way through to wedges, changed everything in my bag this year. Uh, Going to be working with Alex Elliott, who is a PGA Pro YouTuber, really cool guy on both my technique and my fitness. So looking at those three elements together, hopefully going to start seeing some of the potential turn into some good scores yeah because you are a very decent golfer you've got a lot of potential and it's very kind so of you, you were off it. six weren't you, you said I, I, I got as low as 6.2 when i joined uh the club i'm now a member of hartley Whitney in hampshire um and when i joined i thought mm, i've never been category one before normally hit the ball pretty straight and putt well uh it's a shortish but quite tight golf course i thought I might make category one here. Uh, 13 consecutive point ones later and I was off eight. And they say I've just been, over the last few years, going through a few swing changes. Um, but I feel my swing's in a better place. And then say the custom fit that I did with the guys from Cobra was really enlightening. I Things like gone one length on my irons, gone to graphite shafts on my irons. They've made a big difference. I'm, I'm tracking everything through Cobra Connect, which is, runs on the Arcos platform. So you really get lots of feedback about how far you're hitting the ball, but more importantly, where your misses are. And I think once you work out where your misses are, then you can start addressing where you need to improve. Yeah, so talk about your clubs. You had them in the office the other day and they looked very, they very nice. <laughs> they do look honest. really, really cool. Cobra make great looking clubs and I think at the moment they really have got both the looks and more importantly the performance nailed. So through the bag, I've got the F9 Speedback driver that everybody's talking about this year. It's the number one driver at retail in terms of number of drivers sold for the first quarter of the year, which is incredible given the um, fact that Cobra aren't stocked in as many places as the likes of their other competitors like the TaylorMades, Callaway, Titleist, Ping, and they uh, are number one seller. I think there's been a lot of great buzz around the driver. We've given it um, a lot of thorough testing, Joel and Tappers. I know they rated it really highly. I know Rick Shields, who obviously one of our top 25 coaches and uh, master of all things on YouTube, gave it a really great review early in the season. I think that's helped drive a lot of people to go and try it. Um, and as with all things, you know, it's got to be right for your game. I work with one of the Cobra fitters, James White, really got it dialed in. So love the driver, love the three wood, which is also again F9 speed back there. Um, then I got a couple of um, the King utilities, which I absolutely love. They were that was always going to be the hardest thing for me. I changed, chop and change my clubs quite a lot, obviously working in the job that I do I love golf equipment it's a bit of a sweet shop I'm always trying different things so I have changed chopped and changed a lot of my bag lineup over the last four or five years however the one thing that's remained constant is a pair of ping crossover irons hybrid irons that have been in the bag for I don't know four or five years and the Adams hybrids I didn't have yeah had the Adams before that so once you get a hybrid that I like I tend to stick with it it becomes a bit of a go-to club so James the Fitter did a really good job of getting something that looked right for my eye um, and then performed really well. Are they one length as well? They're not one length. I start at one length in the five iron and run through the pitching wedge and that's the Forge Tech irons which are really cool black head and got black uh, UST Mamiya recoil shafting. So I look the business even (laughs) when I'm not playing that well. So uh, I say that's one length from say five to pitching wedge which I got on with straight away. You just need to think you're swinging a seven iron 
um, from five to wedge. I did try one length in the uh, specialty wedges, so 50, 54, 58, but it just was because I don't tend to play a lot of full shots with those clubs. It just felt weird gripping down uh, on what effectively was, you know, seven, seven iron length shaft on a touch shot with a 58 degree wedge so uh but yeah the wedges are the, are the king wedges got the cbs uh tour shafts in there which i really like had those in my previous set of irons and wedges but yeah no really you know say <laughs> it's all down to me now got some great um technique advice from alex elliott um and we're going to do some fitness stuff as well just to look at trying to increase swing speed really as we know, more swing speed, going to deliver more club head speed, should get you hitting the ball further. And I think that everybody wants to hit the ball further, uh, hit the ball further off the tee, coming in with shorter irons, uh, hit a shorter iron in, you should have a bit more control. So I'd say that's the theory. I just now need to put it into practice. Yeah, so I've never had a custom fitting and probably a lot of people listening to this haven't. So um, explain, what are they really? How yeah. do they benefit golfers? It's really interesting that even though custom fitting probably now more people have a custom fit than don't i think if you haven't been for one before if you haven't been for one for maybe five years it's a really great experience i mean if you like golf equipment it's fascinating you know you you would normally work with something like a gc quad or a Trackman to produce hitting data working with a fitter and the fitter will be able to look at that plus look at your ball flight talk to you about what your preferences are where your bad shots are and that's one thing in fittings you have to you know you've got to work with the swing you've got on the day if it's like your normal swing great sometimes it can be you know there's a lot to think about you may not be swinging it well and that's when you just need to be honest with the fitter and say do you know what normally i hit it left to right but today i'm you know hitting it right to left um and you sort of understand where your misses are and where the potential gains are but it's a I think custom fitting is, given the cost of golf equipment these days, it's madness, quite frankly, if you are investing a lot of money in golf equipment and not getting custom fitted. Because really, it's unless you really know your, your, your sort of golf game and golf equipment inside out, you're not going to get the most out of clubs if you don't get custom fit. Custom fitting allows you to find what's going to perform best for you, what's going to work with your swing, uh, and really looking to make the most of that investment. So yeah, Some of them are free, aren't they, if you buy the Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I would think that, you know, like anything in life and in golf, you sort of get what you pay for. Um, but, you know, I think if you've, if you, even if you have to pay up front for a custom fit, you would normally get the cost of it yeah. back off, you know, clubs that you, you buy. Or you just go somewhere and you think, do you know what, I'm going to do a custom fit, I'm not necessarily thinking of buying, you know, a new set of irons or a new driver, but I'm going to enjoy the experience. And then if you, at least if you're armed with that knowledge, if you walk out of a custom fitting session knowing, okay, well, this would be the typical setup of a driver or the typical spec of an irons, then you can, if you do then go and buy yourself, you sort of know what you're buying. But I think that custom fittings come on a long way. Um, you can get custom fit with your local PGA Pro, with the likes of American Golf. Um, so, as I say, I just think the key thing is don't buy blind. You know, I know it's really impulsive. You know, people get excited going into the golf shop, looking at, you know, 
all new drivers, irons, wedges, and it's very tempting to go, oh, gee, I just want to put this in the bag and go. Uh, I think, you know, you, it, it's very hit and miss if you go down that route. Custom fitting definitely will get the most out of that investment you're making. Right, so what is your handicap at the moment again, sorry? 8.8 or 8.9. I got a point one the other week. Have you remember. set yourself a goal for the year? Uh, yeah, and I'm not going to do what golfers, you know, pro golfers go and go, do you know what, it'll take care of itself. Yeah, I want to get down to um, definitely to seven. Um, I think that's that's entirely possible. Uh, I've got quite a lot of competitions come up. My home club, we have comps on pretty much every week. So um, there's no excuse to not be playing in competitions and, and trying to, you know, get, you know, little cuts here and there. I'm lucky that when I go and play it, I'm a member of a couple of sort of clubs away from Hartley Whitney where CSS tends to go up. So if I can go there and play in like spring meetings, autumn meetings, that sort of thing, and just not have a disaster round, you often get a cut there. So, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping for seven. Maybe, I don't know, maybe if it started with a six, so like I don't know, 6.7, 6.8, that would be quite cool. And then... But uh, yeah, you know, we, we shall see. I definitely feel like there's some good scores out there. So I started tracking uh, my game using the Cobra Connect Arcos. And if I can just cut out some silly mistakes that are costing me. And my short game, I definitely need to work on my short game. I'm dropping way too many shots around the green. Are you having lessons on short game with Alex Elliott? Yeah, I'm going to need to do quite a bit of work with Alex on the short yeah. game. He's definitely, some of the things he's he's working on me with the long game uh, are producing results straight away. I think I need to do some specific work on short game with, with Alex because too many knives, too many dunches. Uh, I can't always hit a bump and run with an eight iron, which is my sort of go-to shot uh, when I miss the green. If I've got a bunker in front of me or water in front of me, I do need to get the wedges out and start learning how to play proper pitches, proper chips. And I used to have a really good short game, and I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know when it suddenly went by the wayside. But as we all know, good short game, you know, you're going to be making more pars. Uh, or, you know, where it looks like you make a double bogey, turn in just a single bogey, keep the round on track. So, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I really don't practice enough. I, I, I think it's one of those sort of things that if you want to improve, really you have to look at everything. You've got to practice. You've got to work on specific things as well. And I think that's a great thing about Cobra Connect Arcos is it shows it gives you like a handicap for each of the facets of your game so driving uh, approach play chipping sand play putting and you know it's no good just looking at it and go oh fantastic I've had my longest ever drive on the last round well how many fairways did you hit then you start looking at okay well what do I then need to do to hit more fairways same again with iron play you know yeah, oh yeah, I might be hitting one fewer club into the green. Well, are you hitting the green? Are you missing it left? Are you missing it right? Are you coming up short? Those are the sort of things. That data, it's what all the pros do, all really good players. They understand their game. They then know what they need to work on to get better. Yeah, another thing as well, do you use the same golf ball every round? I do, yeah. yeah. Uh, you although re- you I, recommend that to golfers? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I appreciate, you know, golf balls are not, you know particularly if you use a premium golf ball they are not you know the cheapest things however i think that consistency getting to understand the feel of a golf ball particularly in short game um is really important this year i am in the process of switching from pro v1x to pro v1 
I think with the new generation of, of Pro V1, Pro V1X, um, actually, I was always trying to take spin off with the driver, normal Pro V1 spins, you know, they, the, the, the low spin that you used to get from Pro V1X as opposed to normal Pro V1, that, that sort of gap has, has narrowed down. I definitely feel the softer nature of Pro V1 um on chips pitches putting i'm really liking this yeah but the big thing for me is i've gone to playing a yellow golf ball oh uh, yes yeah so uh, we did a bit of testing at the start of the year my eyesight isn't as good as it used to be i wear glasses i was finding it quite difficult to track the flight of the ball when it sort of came down on longer shots definitely find the yellow ball easier to see and obviously you know new for 2019 is yellow pro v1 pro v1x so uh, again absolutely no excuse you know all, all these things no excuses you, know. you have put yourself out there haven't you i have yeah it's interesting in the first video on youtube uh, i've opened it up to comments and saying what do you think my handicap's going to be at the end of the year actually everyone's being very friendly on that some people think i would get down to six or five i don't think i think it would need something pretty dramatic for that but I'm hoping to, you know, say start playing some more consistent golf in comps, get that handicap down. I think once you get on a, you know, good run as well, you know, because I do play quite a lot of competitions, get a bit of confidence going and, you know, there is a chance to come down this year. Yeah, so the first video is on YouTube. I yeah. watched that and... Oh, um, thank you for the view, it, Elliot. I hope you gave it a thumbs up, did you? Yeah. I did, actually. Yeah. It's very Tremendous. inspirational and I'm, I'm not going to do what you're doing, but yeah. I would love to. I, 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 think, I think a lot of people will. Yeah, well. I'm, I'm hoping that what it will do, obviously, I mean, in a very, very fortunate position that working with Cobra Puma to, you know, do the, you know, makeover of my bag, have the lessons with Alec, Alex, Elliot, work on some fitness stuff as well. I think there's some gains to be had there as well, particularly, you know, I'm be 49 this year. So I think, you know, flexibility is something, you know, it's not about lifting big weights. It's about becoming more flexible, warming up properly. Uh, and then you're going to give yourself the best chance of, you know, of swinging well. Also about injury prevention. But I'm hoping that the little journey that I'm going on, people will be able to take away various bits of it, whether it's, oh, okay, well, I might try custom fitting or might try and look at my data from, you know, from the rounds you're playing. And even if you're not using something like Cobra Connect Harcos, you can still, you know, old-fashioned paper and pencil write down you know how many fairways you hit per round how many greens you hit in reg how often do you get up and down and that then should inform where you spend your time practicing rather than just standing fun though it is on the range trying to you know hit drivers out the back of the range chances are you'd be much better off spending time putting chipping yeah so um catch the first video on youtube if you haven't seen it that's golf monthly and then when is number two coming up? number two will be out in a couple of weeks we filmed it um so just gonna spread them out over the season so yeah that's my the lesson stuff that i've worked on uh you know the first lesson i've done with alex and then there'll be fitness video and then a wrap-up at the end of the season there's also features in the magazine as well and online so yeah you know i expect it'll probably only be my family that watches you know everything and you know consumes it all but yeah so hopefully there'll be things for people to take away be a bit thought-provoking and you know everyone wants to play better golf it's more fun when you play good golf yep um, mike harris thanks for joining us in the clubhouse thank you for the invite <laughs> so there you go mike harris there telling us how he's going to get better and better at golf are you going to get better and better at golf this year probably not it's quite ask if you had one thing to improve at your game one one aspect what would it be my swing <laughs> no 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 that's that's too much 
So if, I'm, what I'm trying to say is hit it further. You need to hit it further. Hit it straighter, hold more parts. You know, what is it? This sound does sound very naive, but my swing, I've got a... a you can't just say no, your no. swing. I've got... I've had a very obvious fault for years that I, I have an overswing Couple and just... No, I do quite a lot of bad things that I just never sort out, which is why Mike doing what he's doing, it, it's really inspiring me. Well, it's not inspiring me, but I wish it would inspire me to do the same. Well, you need, I think what you... What you so I'm not going to get any better What you that. need to do, and what you've said, I think, throughout the podcast, is you need to be less lazy. You need to get out there, work a bit harder. Yeah. On your swing. Yeah. Specific. How's your game, anyway? My game, uh, when was the last time I played... I had to play you quite well. Manor House, didn't you? A Manor of Groves. Yeah, I played all right for, for me. I, if I had one thing to improve in, in my golf game, would be to play more. That's what I'd like to Not do. that hunchback posture. Oh, okay. All right. Well, because <laughs> well, I'm not, that, mid, not a midget like you. That evil snap hook. <laughs> the evil snap, snap hook isn't as evil as it has been. Driving the ball really well, actually. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'd just like to play more. If I played more golf, I'd be better at it. In, I know that sounds very simplistic, but I really think that would be the biggest thing for me to improve. Well, maybe you could do what Mike's doing next year. Sort out your... Um, maybe. It's, it's, only, it's, it's only April, so... Your fitness, your swing and your equipment. Oh, fitness. Oh, yeah. You, but, uh, yes, you're probably correct on all things. Well, all of us could. Especially, um, especially you. I'm very jealous. Indeed. Anyway, let's stop talking about our own rubbish golf swings and let's have a bit of fun with the quiz. So, ten questions that Sam has come up with. And as ever, we're going to uh, ask them, answer them, play along at home. And what's the score, Elliot? You're freshening me at the moment. Uh, 9-4. Also, Sam Tremlett is a guy in the office, for those who don't listen every week. He is essentially the quiz master, isn't he? He is the quiz master. Normally creates a good quiz, so uh, I hope Let's you're looking forward to this. Let's see how this one goes. Right. Here we go. So, question one. Brian Palmer won the Zurich Classic alongside John Rahm this week, but in what year was his last official PJ Tour win? I know this because we've already talked about it. Was that an official win, though? Look, if, take that up with Sam. Question two. What was their winning score? I think I know this as well. Oh, I know that. Got it, yeah. Question yeah. three. How old is Trophy Hassan Dirt winner Jorge Campillo? Oh, wow. I think I know that as well. On here, I've it? gone for an educated guess. <laughs> an educated guess? Well, a guess. Okay. Question four. <laughs> what did you say to me earlier? How many tournaments has he played on the European Tour before collecting his maiden victory? Closest wins. I think we mentioned this earlier, didn't we? Yeah. We were prepared for that question, well, Sam. You actually predicted he would come up with that question. Question five. Since 2003, which player has won the Wells Fargo Championship the most times? Note, the tournament used to have two different names. You said different names. That's bad. Bad English from Sam there. Uh, so, need someone who's won it more than once. Okay, come up with someone. Question six. The Volvo China Open has been going since 1995, 24 tournaments in all. How many Chinese winners have there been? Wow, good question. Ooh. Okay, right, it's just in the dark. Question seven. <laughs> Which tournament has the highest total purse? The RBC Heritage, the Valero Texas Open, or the Valspar Championship? It's an odd question. Where's that come from? I'm guessing, as ever. <laughs> question, 
Question eight. What is the name of the tournament in Japan that Tiger Woods has agreed to play in later this year? Those who were listening to the podcast for 20 minutes ago would know that. Indeed. Question nine. <laughs> Something else we've spoken about. Andy Sullivan made headlines recently taking on the European Tours Challenge of making a hole-in-one from, from only 500 shots. And what shot did he, did he get a hole-in-one? Closest wins. You know this, don't you? Yeah, I bet you I don't know, know. I it. bet you know this exactly. I know. I, I've got an idea. Yeah, I so do I. I'm going to say that. I know it was in the 400s. <laughs> you, you are utter scum. <laughs> Question ten: How many Europeans are currently in the world's top twenty? How many Europeans are currently in the world's top twenty? This is going to be. Uh, he doesn't say closest wins. It just says how many. So. Um, okay, let's go with that number. Right. Ready? Yeah. Question one. When, uh, what was question one? Ron Palmer won the Zurich Classic alongside John Rahm this week, but in what year was this last official PJ Tour? It's 2010. Yeah, 2010. Uh, what was their winning score? 26 under par. 26 under par for me, 26 under par. Come on. Now, this is a question that we don't actually know the answer to, so... Okay, here we go. How old is Trophy Sander winner Jorge Campier? You've gone for... Nearest wins, is it? It doesn't say that. 39 years old. Oh, I've gone 32. 32? What? Ah, oh, how did you get that? He looks I'm, much older than that. I disagree. He looks younger than me, and I'm younger than... I'm older than 32. I, I, that was a complete guess. Yeah... Well, it was. No, well done. <laughs> uh, oh, hello. Here we go. How many tournaments has he played on the European Tour before collecting his maiden victory? Uh, 229. I've always put 229. The answer is... Uh, <laughs> he said it's 228 because the win was his 229. What was the question then? Oh, yeah. How many tournaments had he played on the European Tour before collecting his maiden victory? I thought I'd have listened to that. I was going to say that. Uh, so we both got a point for that because we're closest. Uh, cheeky, Sam. Question five. Since 2003, which players won the World's Fargo Championship the most times? I put Rory. I put Tiger. Ooh. Rory, come on. <laughs> I got five out of five with a guess. Question six. Uh, the oh, that this was a guess. Volvo China Open has been going since 1995. 24 tournaments in all. How many Chinese winners has there been? Three. I put two. Four. Oh. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I think Ashen Wu and Hao Tong Li. I was thinking, but no, never mind. Question seven. Oh, this is another guess. This could be where you claw back. Which tournament has the highest total purse? RBC Heritage, Valero Texas Open, or Valspar? Up at Valspar. Oh, up at Valspar as well. Yes, that's that's even if we're wrong. Texas Open. Ah, oh. seven point five million. RBC six point nine. Valspar six point seven. We got the we hit the lowest. Question eight. What is the name of the tournament in Japan that Tiger Woods has agreed to play in later this year? The Zozo Championship. The Zozo. Or I've written it looks like twenty twenty championship, but it's definitely Zozo. Zozo championship. No, I don't know. That does say 2020. <laughs> My Z's are very like twos. Um, question nine. Annie Sullivan made head. Oh, here we go. Annie Sullivan made headlines recently taking the European Tours Challenge and making a holding one from only 500 shots. And what shot did he get one? I put 129. 236. 
230. You've... So I'm one behind with one to play. Is that right? Hang on. So I'm one, two, three, four, five. I've got six. I've got five. Four. So it's a decider. And you've got to get this right. This is not close to the win. So how many Europeans are currently in the world's top 20? Seven. Oh, I've put six. Oh. Six. Oh. <laughs> Rose McElroy Molinari, Ram Casey Fleetwood. Yes, I finally won. Get in there. Five out of ten for me. Seven out of ten for me. What a thrashing there. Yeah. Uh, what's that? Nine. Nine five. Nine five or nine six. Nine five. I was nine, nine four up. Brilliant. Well, I hope you guys did as well as I did there. I smashed that out of the ballpark then, didn't I? You must be gutted. You look mentally down. I'm a little bit gutted. I was going to put McElroy for the. Wells Fargo but I thought maybe Tigers won it three times yeah just didn't go for me today it's due I was due a win I was due a win anyway thanks for listening uh, next week we'll look back on the action Quail Hollow and China and preview the British Masters which is of course hosted by Tommy Fleetwood and there's also the Byron Nelson on the PGA Tour remember to rate and review us if you follow us on iTunes and also check out our social media channels on Facebook Twitter and Instagram until then, Elliot, it's been a pleasure as ever. Yeah, nice to have you back this week, Tom. Indeed. See you again next week. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, yeah, and until then, see you then. Bye.